1: tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then.
0: Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast.
1: See if you can find more information from that government department about those selection criteria and what level they're going to expect you to demonstrate that at for the job you're going for
0: hey everyone and welcome back to interview boss my name's emma and i'm a radio journalist who's teamed up with my sister to give you all the advice inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional, and together, we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes knowledge to help
1: you in your career. Hey, Em, and welcome back, everyone. This week, we have a very awesome shout-out. Em, we're shouting out Andrea. Andrea. Yes. I don't know how to say it. Sorry, Andrea.
0: I read this at work today and got so excited. (gasps) I had a little teary moment. I couldn't believe it. Andrea says, thank you so much for your podcast. About a month ago, I was overwhelmed at the idea of re-entering the workforce after being self-employed for the last 16 years. Your interview advice really helped me nail the first and second interview and I've now been offered the position. Yeep. It was my first interview in 16 years and I have no doubt I would not have done as well without your practical advice and insights. Plus, I had the confidence to negotiate a better salary. Yeah, you did.
1: Oh, that's what we love to hear. What you do
0: really made a difference to how I felt going into the interview. Thank you so much. And I wish you both every success. You deserve it. And she also bought us five
1: coffees, which is so lovely. It's so nice. And I just love that someone, anyone really feels like we helped them enough for them to literally shout us a coffee, like to literally say thank you in that way is just incredible. We didn't know when we started that whether any of you guys would even think that we were that helpful for it to be worth it. So it's so nice to see that people leave those messages in that area. So And
0: it's so nice because it really does make all the difference. We're independent podcasters. We both
1: have full-time jobs. We're busy women and we do it because we love it. And this costs money too to run, to do all the editing and have all the software that you need. So it really goes a long way to keeping the show going.
0: And a quick reminder, Sarah offers one-on-one coaching sessions. You can find out all about them at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. If you need a bit more personalised help than what our episodes can offer you, Sarah will deep dive. We'll go through it together. I'll hold your hand. It'll be great. Another fat reminder, if you liked one of our episodes, used a tip we sent you or want to request something about your situation, let us know. We will literally do an episode on it as soon as we can.
1: We really will. We love ideas and you listeners are really creative. Okay, Em, what are we talking about this week? This
0: week, we're going to talk about responding to the selection criteria. Now, are we talking about just general criteria as in, you know, proficient in Microsoft or in those health jobs where it's like literally really
1: specific criteria. You literally have to respond to write a response. We're not just talking about selection criteria. What are they? We're talking about the thing that they ask you to send in along with your resume which is like a selection criteria response document.
0: Right, I've thankfully never encountered one of these, but our mum has encountered so many because she works in the health sector and forgive me if I'm wrong, but they're the most common places that do selection criteria, sort of corporate government sort of roles.
1: Yeah, they tend to be like government jobs is where you'll encounter this a lot, potentially like really old school companies or something really traditional. I think we've talked about this before. I hate selection criteria. Like making someone put in all that effort and then, oh, sorry, you didn't make it through the first round. Like people spend hours on these things and you can't always reuse them for the same job because they're all bloody unique criteria. So you've got to sit down writing hours and hours just to apply. But even if they're just an internal job application, you still have to selection criteria response. I hate them. And I think I mentioned before, I would never apply for a job that required me to do a selection criteria response because I hate them so much. And also because I'd be going into HR in a team where they thought that selection criteria was a good idea. (laughs) Red flag. Yeah, for me, and that just doesn't align with the way that I do things and the way that I see the world. But, hey, it's the reality of government. So, Em, I'd love to throw to you, why do you think that they are still a thing? Why do you think that they do them?
0: Because of some pencil head high up in the chain that (laughs) has made it legislated to be company policy or something?
1: It's got a lot to do with government and councils and things like that, where they have to prove that they hired the best person for the job because they've got like a responsibility to the public to be fair and to make fair decisions and things like that. Sort of covering themselves. Yeah, they've got to do like a report at the end of every recruitment process as to why they hire that person and comparing all the candidates and why they didn't hire That one and it allows them to make, I guess, quote unquote, an objective decision on who they put forward, as opposed to going off your resume, which I guess can have a lot more bias in it, you know, reading your job titles and things like that. So I guess the idea behind it is nice, but the fact that it requires you to do so much extra work, like, couldn't there be a step at the very least where you are invited to respond to the selection criteria as the first step? Hey, you meet the basic criteria can you do another response for us? At least that way you'd only be doing it if you got past the first stage, but I like to think like what if I'm missing one key thing that they need and I don't realize that that's a deal breaker for them and I've spent all this time and it just goes nowhere?
0: That does suck. But regardless of how we feel about them, they're still a thing, so we're going to dive in into how to all of it. We're on your side. We
1: get it. They suck, but hey, here's how to do it.
0: So, first you're going to have a look at the job ad and description.
1: Yeah. So the job description will normally have something more detailed. Again, particularly if it's a government role, often it will be the actual job description that you can find or access or download. So have a look at that and have a look at what the criteria actually are and make sure that you've got all the information that you need. I'd grab the criteria and paste them into a Word document, but I would also go through the rest of the job ad or the job description and work out of those criteria, which do you think sound the most important for that job? They're often in order. Number one is the most important down to the bottom one, but it's a good idea to kind of read through the rest and highlight which ones does it sound like they're really emphasising.
0: Right. So now let's talk about the capability framework. Sounds disgusting.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, look, if you're going to be applying for government jobs, you've got to learn how to do the government thing. So we're using some Australian government examples here, but I'm pretty sure that this would apply regardless of where you are in the world. I think these things tend to be pretty transferable. So- most government departments don't just make up their selection criteria for each role, they have a capability framework (laughs) that basically has a whole list of different criteria and they talk about how you demonstrate those at the different levels. Because the other thing to know about government roles is that they often have levels and bands and things like that of types of jobs. So you could be a level four or a level five or a level six, and you can be in all different types of jobs, but you all are classified against the level system. And if we have a look at, let's say, and so I pulled these from the Australian Public Service kind of website, I guess, and I looked at an APS level six. So they call it an APS six. And this criteria contributes to strategic thinking. And this is dot point one point one supports shared purpose and direction. So at a level six, what they're expecting you to do is to promote the department's strategic themes and priorities to others. Whereas if we compare that to a level five for the same thing, it's the same heading except they're expecting you to articulate the department's role and function in the APS to others.
0: You're doing the same skills at different levels depending on the role.
1: Yes, and so if you were applying for a level five job, in terms of shared purpose and direction, if that was one of the criteria, they would want to know, can you articulate it? If it was a level six, it would be much more about promoting the department's themes and priorities.
0: This reminds me of year 12 English, where the teachers would be like, you have to read the question. It's asking you a different thing. Identify means just name. Analyze means critically discuss.
1: And what you just reminded me of, it's kind of like the marking rubric, you know, at uni where you'd have like...
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like a... distinction. That's so true. It was all the same. It was just like exceptionally discussed the theme or soundly to
1: some extent discussed the theme. Found limitations in the arguments presented or whatever and like what degree you did that. Yeah, exactly. So that's something to keep in mind here of what level is the role that you're going for and see if you can find more information from that government department or the public service in general about those selection criteria and what level they're going to expect you to demonstrate that at for the job you're going for. It's all about research. What can you find that's going to help you? There's a limit to this. Like you don't want to go absolutely nuts on research because there's so much stuff out there, but see if you can find a little bit that will be helpful for you.
0: Next, you want to brainstorm your best bits under each one. This is a core belief of interview boss will always tell you to do this. This will always be a step. Brainstorm all the relevant things you can think of that apply to that criteria.
1: Yes, and you want to be thinking about your best bits and trying to work those into these criteria. Wherever you can. Yeah, again, we've talked about this a lot in our storytelling episode in our tell me about yourself all that kind of stuff a lot of our example interview responses episodes as well talk about this idea of best bits if you can use one of your great examples big things in one of these selection criteria you should rather than coming up with a tiny small random example so you want to think about those first and then if you don't have any best bits that fit great well then you can use your small stuff but make sure you do that part first It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes below.
0: And as always, we're not just going to hit them with the boring facts. We're going to turn it into stories and it's going to be the format of here's the
1: situation. This is what I did. This is the result. You might have heard of this as car or 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 star. Like there's all these different acronyms. We don't have an acronym here. It's all the same thing. But I like to think about it more as a story because I think that makes it easier to understand what you're actually trying to do here. Tell a story. What's the situation? What's the background? Why is it important? What else was going on? Who was involved? Then the what I did. Break it down. How did you do that? Oh, I communicated with the team. What do you mean? Did you send them an email? Did you book a meeting? Did you get to know their style first? Break that part down. And then what was the end result of you doing that thing? Be specific. These have to be actual examples rather than talking in general. I think that's where some people go wrong in selection criteria is that they talk a lot in general. Oh, I often have to prioritize. Okay. Tell me about a time that you prioritize. Pick one. Yeah. Get specific. Yeah. And the last kind of call out there is that you can include a general statement at the beginning. If you're one of those people that gets stuck a little bit in talking generally, include the general stuff at the beginning. So say if it was like, works well with a range of systems or something like that. Microsoft Office proficiency. You could list out all the systems that you have worked with before going into an example of how you use it. I use this to write board reports on a fortnightly basis. Does that kind of make sense? I regularly use Excel, Outlook, blah, 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 blah. For example, I have to write board reports in PowerPoint. Here's how I do that. Yeah. So should we get into some examples of what this could look like? Yes. So I've got an example here and this actually came from a government website and I'd found this same example pasted in a couple of different articles. So I thought it was a good one to use. And I think it's not too long and they have a good structure. So I'm going to read the key selection criteria and I want you to read the response M and then we'll do a bit of a reaction. So key selection criteria, problem solving, seeks all relevant facts, liaises with stakeholders, analyzes issues from different perspectives and draws sound inferences from available data, identifies and proposes workable solutions. It's a long one. I'd just like to say
0: that I'm now joining you in saying that I will never apply for a job (laughs) that has these. Ew, so many things. I know. Well, again, despite what we think, here's how to respond. A great example is... Problem solving has been a critical part of my roles over the past five years. General statement, I like it. While working as customer complaints officer at Acme department stores, I dealt with a variety of problems. While many could be resolved easily, two to three per week were more complex and required a detailed process to resolve. I had to investigate what had happened from the staff and customers' points of view, clarify the facts and work out what had gone wrong and why. I then had to propose suitable solutions and negotiate a mutually satisfactory outcome. I was often commended by my manager for my sensitive Handling and speedy resolution of these problems. Less than 1% of complaints had to be escalated.
1: Wow. Yeah. I love it. It's succinct. There's some probably some things I would change, to be honest. Me
0: too, actually.
1: Yeah. What do you think?
0: I would have liked to see a more specific two to three things per week. Like what? Like the customer complaining about the service or the customer wanting to exchange an item that was strictly not for exchanging or just to give a bit more like, oh, what's going wrong? But apart from that, I think I felt convinced enough that this person is all over the problem solving.
1: Yeah. I wanted something more tangible. And I hope as you heard that you were like, you have Tell me about a time. Yeah, but tell me an example. What What do you mean? Like to investigate what had happened from the staff and customers' points of view. Like what? <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Did the staff member allegedly abuse someone? Yeah. Or did they tell them, oh yeah, you can exchange this if it doesn't fit. And that wasn't true. And the customer's really upset about that. Like, is that all you meant? Or is there something bigger there. I want something more tangible. So I think it would have been great or an option for them to pick one of those things that were like two or three per week, pick one that came up often and use that and go into depth a little bit more. What else would you say about that response?
0: I love the less than 1% of complaints were escalated. That's such a boss way to end the sentence. Like boom, I'm that good. Only the real Karens, I had to escalate it because I just couldn't sort them out. Like that's the vibe I get.
1: Yeah. And I like the fact that probably you wouldn't be actually keeping track of this in a real statistical way. So they've probably just estimated that number and like, go for it, like go off 1%. I liked the general statement. We also saw good structure in that answer as well. So you've got while working as a customer complaints officer, blah, blah, blah. And you've given the background information. I dealt with a variety of problems I would have said from customers, is it over the phone? Is it in person? I need a bit of that. I liked the how many per week, really good context and background information. Then it went into what I did, which was I had to investigate what happened, clarify the facts, blah, blah, blah. And then we've got a really great result at the end, which is I was commended by my manager and solved all the problems. So that was good. And if we go back to the selection criteria, go through the thing. Problem solving, seeking relevant facts. Yep, you've ticked that box. Liaising with stakeholders. Yep. Customers, manager, staff. Analyzing issues from different perspectives. That's how they've kind of talked about the customer's point of view. There you go. Drawing sound inferences from available data. Uh, I don't know.
0: Could have touched on that. We review CCTV footage or the system data. If it was about like an altercation or something.
1: Yeah, we review system purchase history or something like that. Identifies and proposes workable solutions. Yes, but like, I don't know what kind of solutions this person was offering. Like refunds or? Exactly. If they'd thrown in, you know, offering the customer a refund, an answer, you know, whatever, that would have, I think, ticked that box a little bit better. So that is key selection criteria. Responding to selection criteria. The other big tip I have for you out there, and this is from all of the people that I know that regularly had to use this because their industry or their area always required it. Keep a document for your whole career. When you write these responses, keep all of them because you'll probably find that they start sounding the same after a while and you've got a response for something just generically communication. And tweak, but you know. Yes. Copy, paste, tweak. You know, don't do it. Work smarter, not harder. And this will become easier over time because you'll have this database of responses that you've got and you can just paste them across.
0: Boom, there you have it. That
1: is how to respond to the dreaded selection criteria. Good luck with those government jobs out there. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify, or better yet, tell someone about the show. That's how we can hit the charts and we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss.